Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 63. You are stewarding your skills, your abilities, your time, and your attitude. You're stewarding those things to in service to human beings. The last thing they need is some geek up in their face arguing with them. You need to have wherewithal to recognize that what you say is educated in that process. So don't get emotional about it, but recognize that you are supposed to be expert. This week's podcast is brought to you by Media Fusion, and they're doing something really cool that I would like to tell you about. They want to hear your church streaming story. No matter the size of your church or streaming solution, they want to hear why you decided to stream, how you do it, and what difference it has made. In exchange, they would like to offer you up to $200. So check it out. Tell them your story. Visit the link in the podcast description or visit cmag.2 forward slash one word your story 200 that's cmag.2 forward slash your story 200 on this week's podcast we begin to talk about the role of church tech leadership but before we dive in let's take a quick listen to a church mag pro tip from jonathan malm about stage design hey guys jonathan malm here with a quick ministry tip today's tip might sound heretical but follow me i frequently talk to stage designers looking to update their often traditional stages One of the touchy subjects that comes up are the things on the stages that have become sacred cows. These might be grand pianos, communion tables, or altar benches. These are often sacred cows because someone like Sister Susie donated them 15 years ago. Or perhaps a member built it with his own blood, sweat, and tears. And these stage designers find these pieces inconvenient to what they're trying to accomplish visually on their stages. If that's not bad enough though, Some people have gigantic architectural pieces, like crosses or ichthys fishes on their stages, that they don't know what to do with. If it's taboo to touch the communion table, you can bet it's pretty bad to remove the cross from the stage. Oh my goodness. But here's what I say. Think about the menu at your favorite restaurants, or at Starbucks. There's a good chance you don't even look at the menu anymore when you order. To you, the menu has become invisible because you already know what's on it. The same thing can happen with things that are on our stages. The cross, for instance, a massively powerful symbol of our faith, becomes an invisible fixture on our stage instead of a reminder of salvation. So imagine taking the cross off the stage during Christmas for a few months, remove the invisible architectural item, but then bring it back during Easter. Imagine how much more powerful that symbol becomes when you only use it in context with a story that explains its power. By temporarily removing the cross from your stage, then replacing it at an appropriate time, you actually make it more powerful. You do more honor to the symbol. So don't be afraid to move items around. See, I told you it might sound heretical, but that's the tip for the day. I want to encourage you to check out my two books for church creatives. The first one is Created for More. It's a 30-day devotional to help you start seeing your life more creatively. And the second one is Unwelcome. It's 50 ways you can make your church more welcoming. Grab them on Amazon.com or iBooks. Okay, all right. Here we go. Um, I don't know how to introduce this. I don't know how to introduce the podcast anymore. There's been so much about, you know, order of names and uh, it reintroducing ourselves for the second time. I have to come up with a new a new way to introduce this thing. We're in his head, Phil. We've, we've, it, we've won. You said that. I just edited that last night. I just edited last night you saying... We're in his head, Phil, and then you just said it again. I've never seen anything. I I think you're hearing things now. Mm. (laughs) It's official. You guys are in my head. 
<laughs> All right. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. You know who we are. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about church tech's leadership role. What exactly does that look like? It sometimes seems like there becomes a bit of a power struggle, uh, the way we talk about uh, church, uh, church tech leaders dealing with pastors and boards and these type of things, and there sometimes can be a tension or a conflict. Uh, if, if you... If you've ever been in a sound booth and there's never been some sort of conflict between uh, a church tech leader and a worship leader or a pastor, um, maybe you haven't spent enough hours in a church tech booth. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just my experience. I don't know about you guys, but just thought we could talk a little bit about um, you know what that role looks like. Well, I can I can from my personal experience. I, I ran sound for um, for almost a decade in my church, and I am. Um, I, I had a real attitude problem, and that's why I think God removed me from that ministry because I just wasn't. Uh, I had moved past stewardship and taken taken a diseased ownership of it, and it, it was it kind of corrupted my my heart. And you know, running sound, doing media during church is a form of worship. And when you when your heart is in the right place, it's no longer worship, and it's a, and it's an offense to God. And so I think that for me, like I, I had a hard time doing what the pastor asked because I felt like I knew better. And I probably knew better in in some cases, but that's where you you need to step back and you say, okay, pastor, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that. And then cal- calm down, get your, get your, because you, the, the tendency is to, if the pastor says, hey, let's try this, and your, your knee-jerk response is going to be, well, that's not going to work, pastor. And you just, you just, you get kind of condescending with your, with your jargon. Take a step back, figure out how to explain your your, your fears in, in common sense language, and then go back and communicate those. The pastors still may want to try. Hey, at that point, you just try. And if there's feedback galore, or if this or that doesn't work, the pastor will say later on, "Hey, you know what? I was wrong." Uh, and then the pastor can't admit that they're wrong. Well, then you got a you got a pastor problem. The soundbooth's job, or the sound the tech team's job, is to be the expert in the room, but also to be the expert servants in the room. And it's your job to make sure that, that what's supposed to happen on stage happens, that it's the message, the worship is clear, it's uh, it's palatable in an in a audio sense. You can't you can't change the message, you can't change the, the songs, but you can be your you can do your best to make sure what happens on stage is conveyed to its best through the speakers. Right, and I think that concept can be conveyed in all in all in all avenues of church tech, social media, the website, oh, totally. you know, um, the the slides, all those different things. That that concept holds true, um, and and I think it's easy for us to forget. As, as we do our thing and worry about the things that we have to worry about that pastors have uh, you know a lot of pressure and they have a lot of a lot of things on their plate a lot of things to think about and the last thing they need about the last thing they need is some some geek up in their face arguing with them uh, mm. I some, have a problem with that. Some geek wearing, that. A, wearing a Darth Vader <laughs> shirt. Okay. With because that's giving the pastor the excuse of, you know what? Today's not a good day because I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. Sorry. Everybody deals with a lot of stuff. And yes, there's a spiritual attack, but the spiritual attack is not only for just a pastor. And, and I've been in that pastoral role. And it could very easily become an excuse of... Don't deal with me because I am, I'm too important um, is where the line can be drawn. I, I, th- I think everything you're saying is true, but we hold the position of pastor 
high. And we're starting to get into the theological aspect of this that maybe we don't necessarily need to go into. But I agree to a point in the sense that the pastor is still a person and we need to treat them as such, as, as another person. And so if they are having a bad day, they need to work with us just as long as, just as much as we are working with them in the, in the situation. Well, and it's I, true I, or not. I, I don't, I've no, I, I think my point was in saying that if the, um, I'm not talking about in the, in the heat of the moment where the pastor's having a bad day or whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying more along the lines of just if the pastor is giving you correction or suggestion in general. That's the, the attitude to have is to is to, to defer to what the pastor wants in general. Um, Absolutely. But my, 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 I totally agree with you that if that becomes an excuse, well, I'm the pastor and I just, you can't imagine how much I'm carrying right now. That kind of thing, That again, that's a pastor problem. <laughs> and I think we let's assume for this discussion, let's assume that you've got a, a, a godly pastor who is shouldering his burdens and not doing so in a what was me fashion. I just... I am very hesitant about that because I've seen many pastors take that as not only are they captain of the ship, but everybody goes down with the ship if I go down. Right. Yeah, I I think delegation and there's a lot of leadership principles that have to be taken in consideration. I guess what I was addressing as far as a geek all up in your face um, is is having – what Phil was talking about was a good heart attitude and being able to pro- being able to approach things professionally and uh, w- with love and care and, and that sort of thing, right? And not and not being like, well, I'm the expert and having a knockdown, drag out fight over the thing. I mean, said you are the expert. That's you were true. Hi- you were hired or put in that <laughs> volunteer position as an expert, and so you need to have wherewithal to recognize that what you say is educated in that process. So don't get emotional about it, but recognize that you are supposed to be the expert. And if he's saying, and, and here's where the conflict, and this is where I was going with this is a lot of the conflict I see isn't on Sunday morning. You're in front of people. They're not going to blow up in front of people. But for me, some of the biggest times I see of failure is whenever it's about budget items when it's about vision that's not going to be able to be done because the systems aren't set in place and they never were set in place and i think that that's when things can become difficult and it's where does that servant heart come into play and where does that ability to moderate and to move through the muddy waters happen right right now when when you're talking about you know a church pet a church tech pastor or somebody on staff who operates just like any other staff member there is there's a lot of things hr wise that are put into place and things function according to you know how how the church has them outlined what do you do about the stereotypical church of you know 100 200 people and you have the church tech volunteer right like how do you guys see their role as far as taking leadership, even though it hasn't been necessarily officially given? They are they are looked to uh, to 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 um, lead that ministry, however equipped they may or may not feel they are. What what would you say to them when approaching these things? And the pastor might even look in, or a pastor or somebody in leadership might look at them as someone who's not an expert and feel like um, they're just kind of a, a workhorse and they heard or they read online that you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z, please go do that. And, and, and you know, you're, you're in charge of it as the, check, the church tech person and you see things differently. How, how do you think 
that leadership role looks in those situations. That's where I think I see things differently because we put the church tech, the church tech leader, volunteer or staff as someone that is only supposed to serve the whole time that they're there. They're not supposed to have their own mind. They're not supposed to have their own theological aspects. I wonder if we should actually just make sure every single church tech person has a theological background. Um, which would be great because that means now whenever they do videos, whenever they do other things that the pastor might not be there for, you don't want the theological understanding of that process to be completely un, undoctrine un, towards the guidelines of what the pastor is wanting. And so could we make it so that there's an actual expectation that there is actually a leadership role instead of a, take a back seat to everything that everybody else wants to do? which I think in and of itself can be amazing. If you can have a, pa- a position that is all about just serving others, that is simply amazing. But I don't know if church technology is that position because there's a lot of different places that we could actually serve and lead really well in the church. For, for me, the whole idea here is, is it's, a, it's a, gosh, it's a twofold process, I feel like. And, um, and, and this could, this really could apply to any any service in the church. But when you go to church to serve, um, there should be one. I think part of what Jeremy is saying, um, there's an implicit. There should be. It's it should for me. It's it's implicit. But it, you should be going to church to serve. Um, and the argument that well you need to be in service well, I agree people should be in service they should be serving every every week of the of the year but the um, you need to be in service for yourself mentality kind of sometimes belies belies the the fact or, or the the need of that person to be in God's presence on their own at home you know so that's the first thing that anyone who's serving in the church should be serving out of what god has already given them throughout the week they should not be serving at a, at a severe detriment to themselves because they're not getting from the service that in, the, in that moment they should be serving out of the wealth of of time spent with god throughout the week but but, but on top of that service in the church should be viewed um, on, on two planes. One, it's vertical. It is worship to God to serve and to and to help others worship. Okay, mm-hmm. and then two, it's stewardship. You are stewarding your skills, your abilities, your time, and your attitude. You're stewarding those things to in service to human beings. The first of the first the first of those is the pastor. You're serving because I mean, honestly, he's only one paid. Or I or she, if you're not there, the pastor's job just got harder because they've got more things that they have to get done, and ultimately it all falls back on them. So, keeping that in, keeping that in, in mindset, if we go about our our service, our very practical, just in, in the moment service of like, hey, I got to turn this camera on here, I've got to turn the the video screen on and change this slide. If we look, turn that all into a spiritual component and look at it that way, then we can trust God. I feel like to to give us the leadership skills to get to kind of move us and direct us. I think that um, the biggest problem in volunteering and service in the church isn't that people put too high an estimation on it, but too high, they put too high an estimation on themselves, and they and in doing so they actually lower and they actually uh, debase their work. But if they put a, a higher view on the actual work itself as work 
unto God or work for his kingdom, then they could see themselves in a proper place and realize how humbling it is to be chosen by God or to be chosen by a pastor to, to serve in any capacity. You're part of, all of a sudden, you're part of a very holy thing. And I think that's that mindset would, I think, put us in the right direction to navigate that balance of, of your, you see yourself as the expert because you're doing this and the pastor sees you as a volunteer. And you can navigate that balance a lot better if you see yourself uh, in, in the in the role of the of the humble servant before the Lord. Yeah, I, I think in as far as church tech history goes, we're in a, in a unique situation. I mean, less than fifty years ago, I mean, what, where was church tech? Right. So we've come a long ways in a short amount of time. I remember church tech meaning there was a little soundboard on the front on their front pew to run the PA system and the overhead slides consisted of an overhead projector, you know, the kinds with the light on the bottom, you know, when they have to manually change them and there's like a little finely oh, yeah, cabinet. I've been, yeah. I've been there. I mean, that was, that was the pinnacle of church tech at one time. And so now the baseline for church tech is a website, is a, you know, a multi-channel soundboard, is recording the sermon and putting up podcasts. I mean, that has become the baseline, the very basic, okay, which is far advanced than it ever was before. So I kind of feel like we're, we're still in new territory and still trying to figure this out that suddenly we kind of have, you know, just like we have worship pastors, um, having having church tech pastors like that that's something that that could uh, that there's definitely room for especially in large churches where you have so much tech going on and that's a new phenomenon and I think that's maybe some of the strain that's going on with that. Yeah. Um, for me, one of the biggest things is what happens if your volunteer is the lead person on doing social media and blogging and there's comments and the pastor isn't there and it starts to become a crisis. That is a point where you have to take that leadership. It is a servant role, but we're starting to get into where it becomes gray of, yes, you are serving on Sunday morning. And I love that. That's why I got into this ministry is because I can serve the church in a unique way that I don't want to do whenever I, whenever there's three-year-olds that are snotty and I have a three-year-old that's snotty and I don't want to deal with that in another situation, but to be able to then take this role into how church tech is evolving in the idea of maybe making church technology, the forefront for battling pornography and actually having them be so educated that the pastor doesn't even have to take that role because church technology has that role. I I think that there's a lot of different areas that haven't been fully explored, but could fall under the section of church technology that goes beyond just the servant role, which I think the servant role is absolutely vital, but could go into different ministries and areas that I think would be absolutely wonderful for church technology, which would mean that we need to redefine how it means to be a leader within church technology. Yeah, and I think that that's where it begins to touch on what Jeremy was saying before about having having some uh, theological foundation in your role, because if if you're dealing, like what Jeremy's saying, with pornography, you're dealing with some essentially counseling, you're dealing with online comments and, and these kind of things, you definitely need to have that foundation. And so we, re- we really are breaking into some, some new territory that, you know, we might not really have an answer here today, but it's certainly some things that we need to think about and try to try to find our way because we're, we're on new, new ground. We're on a new path here. Yeah. Well, that's why I think the, to the pastors, you know, if pastor, if you're letting someone do something, if, or if you're, if you've asked them to do something, you have given them implicit uh, level of trust to that person. And so if you've got someone who's doing, who's managing social media for you, you have uh, essentially 
told them, I trust you and you can speak for the church online. That's that's dangerous. And that's a situation where you make sure you trust that person. And at the same time, I think part of this issue here is that's where the pastor needs to be. People who are in a leadership you know, uh, like tech, tech, tech servanthood, tech service um, is an area where the um, the threshold for um, potential danger escalates. You know, you can get somebody. You can like a, okay, parking lot ministry. A low level volunteer. The worst you can do is 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 navigate a car to a spot that is too small for them. Okay, and that might damage a car. Right, and that could be terrible. Okay. But uh, the l- low-level tech guy can can totally ruin a worship service really quickly, and that's that's you know so like you, you, the ability to ruin bigger things is is inherent at the lowest levels of tech tech ministry, and I feel like that's why it's so important for uh, for pastors to be pastoring their volunteers, especially volunteers uh, like upper like upper level like volunteer leaders. So if if you're a team leader and you're you're leading like the parking lot ministry, you a pastor should be meeting with you regularly or semi regularly to one to to check on you, see how you're doing. Because anyone in leadership is, I, I feel like, more prone to to attack. And then two, to communicate, just to remind them, here's the vision, here's what we're going for. And so it's a, it's a two-prong, uh, there's, there's two important factors. Making sure that, that that servant, that servant leader, okay, is equipped and, and prepared to be serving and leading. And then two, make sure that you have once again communicated your heart and your desire for where the church is going. That, that kind of helps to check attitudes because then they feel like they're part of the process or part of that that team, they know the direction the pastor wants to go, and I want to make sure that I'm a part of going in that direction. Well, I, I guess if there was any kind of answer to the question of what's the role of church tech leadership, I guess it would really vary from church to church like so many other leadership positions in the church, but it is certainly uh, a role that is quickly evolving more than, than any other and should certainly cause us to pause and really think about what exactly that role is and what it looks like for your particular church and what may or may not need to change. And I think that if we can sit here and not necessarily challenge the role of church technology, because it should still ultimately be based in service, Uh, the service of being able to make sure that the worship sounds great, that people are able to hear the pastor, that people across the world can see the live stream. I love that. That's the heart of church technology. We're a whole bunch of introverts that don't want to see the sun and love geeking out on stuff. If that, if we use the stereotypes, but what if we challenged ourselves to do more than service? What if we challenged ourselves to actually own a part of the ministry where we are actually being hands and feet to people in a direct ministry as opposed to something that's in many ways just indirect? Excellent, guys. Well, I think we have surveyed this pretty well. Of course, if anyone wants to join the conversation, use the hashtag CMAGCast and tell us your thoughts on church tech leadership and the future and where it's going and all that awesome stuff. And speaking of the church MAGCast hashtag, Phil, Christopher Battles from Carmichael, California, needs a shout-out. Okay. All right. Okay, here, here we go. And I know you've been dying to do California. I know, deep down in my soul, I know you have been dying to do California. I, I literally am. I'm checking the region real quick here. I'm just going to verify. Sacramento County. It's, oh, it's an affluent suburb, apparently. So apparently he's doing quite well for himself. Congratulations, buddy. 
Make sure, make sure you're tithing, pal. Uh, let's see here. Let me check that region real quick here. Oh, he's he's okay. He's pretty well smack dab in the middle of California. So I'm gonna okay. Here we go. Ready? You were really hoping for the surfer accent, weren't you? Well, yeah. He's he's kind of landlocked. So I think I feel like I um okay. Here we go. All right. So I think I can pull this off here because it's it's Sacramento. What? Yeah, I don't know, man. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, ready? Hello, I'm from California. Like, like kind of like that. Because I feel like I just feel like for some reason I just get an Arnold feel from it. You know, like it's just the, uh, it's the governor. You know, I just feel like then then give a shout out to Christopher yeah, okay, from okay, the okay, governor. Okay. Come on, man. Hello, Christopher. Oh, I'm, that's terrible. That's the worst Schwarzenegger accent ever. <laughs> just try to get it'll be golden. It'll be golden. Hasta la vista. Uh, my. My boss will hear this, but it's okay. Um, we we are going somewhere the other day, and he uses Waze, the uh, direct, the mapping and traffic app, and he can download different voices um, and to, to to give you turn by turn directions. And he's using Schwarzenegger, so it's like in zero point three miles, turn left, bail right now. Um, and like apparently, if there's any kind of because it gives you traffic instructions, so if there's any kind of like hazards, you know, like. There's a hazard up ahead. Get down! And it just it just does ridiculous <laughs> stuff like that. And then when you, I guess that's one. I guess that's one way to make sure you don't miss your turn. Yeah. Is when Arnold tells you that you need to turn, you turn. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then, then like you, you've arrived at your destination. Hasta la vista, baby. And it just, it just that's it. It's just so it's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. Thank you for joining us this week. If you want to hear Phil do his best accent from your part of the world, just tell us where you're listening from and use the CMAGCast hashtag, and Phil will Google your location, make several vague generalizations about your area, and squeak out a shout-out in his best accent. And if you'd like to make a comment about this week's episode on church tech leadership, use that same hashtag, CMAGCast. Until next week. There are so many rules to, Phil, to this. Phil, it is just Phil, don't, ridiculous. Phil, don't hate. Don't hate, Phil. Don't hate. You're jealous of not being on the server. It's okay. Jealousy is an ugly, ugly thing, Phil. <laughs> I don't want to be on your server. Maybe I need to do server. Gosh. If somebody does want to be on the Minecraft server, the ChurchMag Minecraft server, just go to churchmag forward slash Minecraft. It's that easy. Getting in is easy. Getting back out and reclaiming reclaiming your humanity is the tough part. Forget about it. It's over. Isn't that true, Jeremy? You've been playing the whole time during the podcast, haven't you? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm certainly not in the nether right now. Because when when I was editing the podcast last night, there was clicking. I thought, "Uh, uh uh-huh. Yeah, there he goes. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. No, I'm on the Yeti. Oh, you are on the Yeti. Well, talk- Is it just not... Um- oh, there you go. There you go. Get cozy with it. Good morning, guys. Okay. Uh-huh. I said cozy, not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you now you should have been recording. Yeah, no, I was. That's, that's, okay, good. That, good. We, we've got that. We're good. We're golden. Oh. Hey, fuck you, you're right. Bye-bye.